something that's really important that kind of gets subtly blended through sex life is that it's not about being selfish. It's also not like, it's not about never letting somebody else in your life. It's also not about then going to the other extreme and then putting your dreams aside for the sake of somebody else. It's about having both. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. So for the the first time, actually, for the first episode, I am doing a podcast finally in my podcast studio. It's not completely ready. Like, I will not flip the camera around. It's just blank behind you. But we're getting there, um, and I'm excited. Once there's, like, curtains here, it's going to be looking beautiful. Um, The only thing that we have to figure out is this, like, microphone arm situation. So... I'm sorry that there is like a huge disruptive arm in the way, but I'm hoping that you guys can just suck it up for the sake of a fabulous episode Um, and also for the sake of an episode about the new Netflix series, well, season two of it, Sex Life, because it is fucking amazing. So let's jump in. So I'm going to start off really quickly with this episode and just give a little bit of a just real life share. Uh, it's taken me about two hours to get my shit together to record this episode because it's a Friday. Um, for those of you that don't know, I don't take clients on Fridays. Fridays is like a wrap up with the week, do admin, catch up on shit, record podcasts, like do interviews, etc. day. Um, but often what I end up finding is like, because I have such busy days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with clients, like back to back and meetings and work and whatnot. By the time it gets to Friday, I am cooked. And so I find myself getting distracted and procrastinating. So I really have to hone in on what am I doing today? What are my achievements? Like knuckling down, it takes some serious will, not willpower, it takes some serious brain power to do so. Um, so it's taken me a lot to, to get dressed. I was in like, my fiance, boyfriend's, my fiance's clothes before, well, his jumper. Um, it's taken me a lot to get dressed to get to this point, but we are here. And I was like, you know what? I'm finally going to fucking record an episode in my podcast studio because even though it's not completely soundproofed, it sounds really good still. Um, I hope you guys think the same. And the background is looking good. We just need to get these curtains in and stuff. So I was like, let's do the first series of Sex Life in this podcast episode. And I want to finish Friday feeling like I have banged out something amazing, which is going to be this podcast and a few blog posts and a contributor article. If I can do that and I can go to the seamstress, then I'm a happy woman. Anyway, so if you haven't seen, Netflix just released season two of Sex Life. If you haven't watched season one, please, for the love of God, do it for yourself. It is the best fucking TV show ever. I loved it. Um, what I loved about it is that it was so real and it just brought, it allowed us, especially as women, to feel more self-accepting around our desire to want to be well-fucked, to have passionate, amazing love, to have it all, and to also really bring light to the fact that 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 transition from maiden to mother, right? So pre being a mother to being a mother, that transition isn't easy. And I really loved how the show and still how it really encompasses that in it. And the main character, um, Billy, I feel like she's just a fabulous, like the way that they've represented her character, the way that they've um, made her character is just such a great representation of 
what real women are feeling and maybe struggling with. And she's just epic. So I'm really excited to get into this episode. So I'm just going to pull up my notes. Oh, and if you need to find the episode um, on Netflix, just literally search sex and you'll see it's sex life. It's sex slash life is how it is um, if you need to like type it in. Um, okay. IMBD votes this shit five out of five. That's – sorry, 5.5 out of 10. Well, they're wrong. So yeah, I need to just pull up the cast so I can make sure I reference everybody correctly. Firstly, I'm going to run through some of the characters so we all can just keep them in our heads. We have Sasha, we have Billy, we have Cooper, we have Brad, who's the Australian, we all fucking know Brad. Um, we now have in season two, Majid. We also have Francesca. Um, we have Gigi. I don't really reference her that much. Um, and we have Cam, who is Sasha's ex-boyfriend that we see. I never even knew how these people's names until I looked this up because I'm like, they often don't call each other by their names if it's like not a huge character. So anyway, let's jump in. So I really want to emphasize for you guys when you're watching this, like one of the things that I love the most, and by the way, I'm going to break this seat, this uh, like little series that we're doing up. So in today's episode, I'm definitely talking about episode number one of season two. I may be talking about episode number two. So just make sure that you have watched episode one and two before listening to this episode because I don't want to spoil it for you. But also if you don't care about shit being spoiled, then I, that's like me. Like people will tell me something that happens and I'm like, I'm still going to watch the show. It makes me want to watch the show more because I'm like, I don't like to sit in a place of stress when I'm watching TV. So sometimes I'll literally say to my fiance, if he's seen something and I haven't, like he was making me watch, um, what's that like old show? And like, she like goes back in time, whatever, Out, Outlander, Outlander. And I would get stressed and I would make him tell me what's about to happen or like what's going to happen in the next few episodes because I just couldn't sit through something that was stressful. So I don't know whether you'll like that or not. Anyway. Okay. So first things first is that what I really want us to um, love about this show and what I really love about this show is the fact that it is really centered around and even in season two, the characters get to have the sexy, passionate love that is safe and fulfilling. That's really what I want us to think about in terms of even with Brad, the Aussie guy, and Billy, the little brunette, even with them, they definitely had a trauma bond. But as we start, as we kind of get through season two, I'm like, huh, there's something that's coming in with Brad and like safety as he's really found himself. Um, but even still, when we look at uh, Billy's new relationship with Majid, there is such a sense of safety there and so much passionate, sexy, love, polarity, desire, et cetera. So don't, um, what do I want to say? Fuck it. Let's just get into it. I'm not even going to say anything. All right. It's Friday. My brain is like legitimately not working as you guys can probably uh, pick up. So if you haven't signed up for her yet, please make sure that you do in the relation, in the week that we're doing relationships and kind of jamming on that. I'm really going to be going into prioritizing intimacy, making small moments big, putting passion and polarity first and never letting work or anything else for that matter be in front of relationships because without relationships, we don't get to experience the kind of life that we're actually desiring, right? Relationships are everything. Like the quality of our, what's that quote? The quality of our relationships, the quality of our life. And it's true. And this goes for all kinds of relationships. As Cam said in one of uh, in episode two, I think it was episode two, like I've climbed these mountains or something or other. And when I got to the top, I turned around to enjoy the view with someone and no one was there. And I know that we've all heard that, but I think there's a lot of us as we listen to this who can relate to that, where we've had these achievements, whether they're big or small, and we wish that we could have shared that with somebody else. Or you've traveled somewhere alone, and I am so pro traveling alone, by the way. 
maybe you've traveled somewhere alone and you've wished that someone special was there with you so that you could scream about the view or about the experience with somebody else and just express that excitement. But if no one else is there, they just don't get, you don't get to share that with them. And so it doesn't mean that we then always need to be in relationships, in partnership, have people around us all the time. Like solitude and space is such a healthy thing. It's just about what I really notice that the uh, writer is painting the picture of is it's actually about noticing whether we are um, being alone all the time from a place of self-protection or choice. Choice, great. Self-protection, not great. I talk about this with Sasha as we'll get, we'll get into it in a second. I talk about it with Sasha a lot of that. What we start to see with her character is like this independent woman thing that she's got going on. It actually does seem to be a front because we start to notice her. We start to get to see her history that she's been hurt in the past. That she's that she has put other people in front of herself. And something that's really important that kind of gets subtly blended through sex life is that it's not about being selfish. It's also not like, it's not about never letting somebody else in your life. It's also not about then going to the other extreme and then putting your dreams aside for the sake of somebody else. It's about having both. It's about doing both. It's about being both. It's about welcoming both. And as I'm watching this, I'm just like screaming last night as I was watching the first two episodes, one, because it's just so fucking sexy and hot. And then two, because I'm like, yes, this is what women need to hear. And this is what we are doing in her. Like we are allowing us to have it all. And people go, yeah, but it's not possible. Well, it's not possible to do it all at one time and possibly the way that you're currently doing it, but it is possible to do it all, just maybe not the way that you think you have to actually, like the execution is probably different than what you think, but it is possible to have it all, do it all, be it all, etc. Okay. So let's just jump in. I'm going from the beginning of the episode and we're going to kind of be running through to the end of the episodes is the order that I'll be going through as I'm talking. Number one, Majid from the bar, fucking vibe. So sexy, so masculine, so just like here I am. And when she kind of rejects him, he doesn't take it. He's still there. We love that. Like I'm watching this and like getting wet because I'm like, yes, this is a fucking masculine man. And what I love to see, at least in these first two episodes, I haven't watched the whole thing, right? So characters could change. But at least in the first two episodes, I'm like, he is a really clear depiction of healthy masculine. He's not forcing her. He's not forcing himself onto her. He's not being pushy. He's just not being easily pushed away. Oh, drool. Unlike Albie in White Lotus, as I talked about, who is a pushover and who is a wet fish. A wet fish is just like dead weight, right? Just like, you know, when you shake someone's hand and it's just like soft and it feels like a dead fish, it's vile like literally disgusting. He is a wet fish because he's so passive. It is unattractive. Yeah, he might feel safe, but he'll only feel safe to a woman that has been through a lot of, generally speaking, abuse. And so is now afraid of any kind of control, any kind of dominance, any kind of leadership from a man. She's afraid of that because of the abuse. So what will happen is that it's not uncommon for women that have been through really abusive situations with really dominant, unhealthy masculine men, like they're too dominant, to then go um, 
to then go the other extreme where they end up being with really passive men. And then those men don't turn out to be healthy either because they have their, like, for a man to be really passive, it's like, there's got, there's some shit going on that he hasn't dealt with. And eventually it's going to bottle up because he's just suppressing his natural desires because of society, because of, you know, fears, because of insecurities, because of whatever's happening. So we love Majid so far. Okay. What is interesting is that at least in season one, we kind of, we see this like change a little bit is that what, what's interesting is that Sasha has a completely different life to Billy. Sasha seems to not want to settle down, right? She doesn't want marriage. She doesn't have this desire for marriage, etc. But then what we see, which was so interesting is when she went on that television show for her book, she was interviewed, right? And the interviewer says, this is the new world order ladies. And I like it. And I was like, are we fucking serious? So she's, so paint the picture, right? Sasha was talking all about like the independent woman, like marriage isn't the power, the right paradigm for me. I'm like, ugh, that word paradigm. Sometimes I'm just like, it is so overused. It just sounds like a wet fish. Like it sounds bypassy and really inauthentic. And there's like no backbone to the word anymore, right? But what's funny is that we end up saying that like it's kind of a front, but she doesn't even know it. And so it's, and what's really important is that these characters make us realize and make you guys realize, I'm hoping, and I'm explaining this to you, is that often people aren't aware of these fronts. They're not aware. It's only until shit starts to really crumble that then they become aware of the fronts. And it doesn't mean that they're a bad person for having the front or anything like that. But what I want you to notice is like, do you have any fronts that you're telling yourself like, no, this is actually me. Like, this is me. This is me. This is me. Okay. But have you ever, and I'm not saying that's wrong, that maybe that, maybe that is you, right? And have you ever just sat with yourself in a really deep state of me- deep state of meditation and been really honest and even admitted things that you don't want to admit to really check in, is this actually what I want? So I'm going to give you guys an example. Back like a million years ago when I was really hyper-masculine, like fuck men, etc. you guys know, know the whole situation. Um, if you haven't, you can go back and listen to previous episodes. Point being is that I was like, I was so like, yes, this is me. Like I'm not changing. Like I'm not hiding anything. I'm not lying to myself, etc. When I got so deep into myself, and I did not want to admit this, it was like there was a hint of, I kind of don't like this. Like I am kind of lying to myself, but I don't have any other option. That was like this subtle voice. I don't have any other option. Like this is the only way. It was this story of this is the only way. This is the only way that I can get the life that I want to get is by being really masculine, is by hustling, is about burning myself out. There was no other paradigm for me that I was aware of. So what we see is Sasha is putting a front on because of her pain, we start to find out. But also, most women just don't think there's another way. So when the interviewer said, this is the new world order, ladies, and I like it, I was like, that is a terrible fucking message to give out. And the problem that my, my only problem when we promote, you know, this kind of paradigm, as they say, with these beautiful women, with these amazing outfits, with these perfect, stylish, like fun lives is that we put it as a goal for young women and we make it the vibe, right? Like Sasha is a fucking vibe in the show. And if you didn't fully understand everything that was going on, young women would be like, I want to be like Sasha, right? And so they want to have this epic life that it's this whole independent woman show, marriage isn't for me, et cetera, et cetera. And whilst maybe that is actually the case for some women, my question is, is it the case for all women or a lot of women lying to themselves when they tell themselves that story, if they're telling themselves that story? 
right? So I, what I'm aware of is I don't want young girls to think that the new thing to strive for is this stylish, independent woman life where, you know, guys aren't hurting you, et cetera, et cetera. Like all that all guys do is hurt women, right? And why I'm a, why I don't want this to happen is because it can bring so much unhappiness because one, we're going against our core needs as women and as humans. And we're going, a lot of women then end up going against their core desires because they feel like they're not as cool, you know, saying, and I struggled with this in the beginning of even admitting like, yeah, I want a relationship. Yeah. I want to be with a man. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't want to have to do it all myself. I want to be saved. I want to be protected. I want to have a hero. I want to, you know, be wrapped in a man's arms. I didn't want to admit any of that because I thought it was so weak and lame and it was against like the girl boss vibe. And I just thought the girl boss vibe was so cool because of what we see in the media. And so where it's like this blend is so important is, and I'm excited to see what ends up happening with um, Sasha and Cam is I I really, really hope that we end up seeing Sasha being like, I admit defeat. We can have it all just only with the right people in our lives and only with the right person, right? Because that is the truth. You can have it all. You can have the safe relationship and the hot sex and the polarity if you're with the right person and you guys are aligned on certain things, which we'll go into in a second, right? So we really want to be promoting partnership and a healthy partnership in a new way, not in this old way of this independent woman vibe. Like that seems more fun, more exciting, more of a badge of honor than being in a relationship. And often when women actually say, I want to be single, it is coming from a protective mechanism. They think that they have to settle down for boring sex. No, ugh, yuck, absolutely not, right? You get to have the hot love and the passionate sex and the safety all at one time. Literally, you get to have the best of both worlds. And when I'm saying this, I mean it and I live it. I have it. You know, my fiance, I've said it from the very beginning. This is really important to me. And like, obviously it's important to him. And because it's always been at the forefront of our minds and open conversation and a really high priority, we've made it a priority. So we've made those moments, you know, that you just think you're saying goodbye into sex for 40 minutes. You know, when we have to get groceries, it becomes some like sexual exploration. And it's not that every moment is like some sex party with us by any means. Like, oh my God. When I had my family over, I had one of my family friends over. She is a fucking crack up. Like she's so funny. She's a hoot. And I was giving her a tour of the house. And you know what? My sister had this as well. She was like, where's the sex room? Where's the sex swing? And it was, we don't have a sex room or a sex swing, at least not yet. Um, and we actually don't have enough rooms to do that. We do have a lot of rooms, but we have two guest rooms. And unless we moved one of the guest rooms into one, which I guess we kind of could actually in the basement, but anyway, whatever, not going there. Um, point is that we don't have a sex room. Um, but, and, and, and why I'm saying this is because that's not what hot, passionate sex needs to look like. You don't have to have a sex room to have a sexy relationship and to have sex a lot. You have to have the desire to want that, for that to be a priority, for intimacy to be a priority, and for you to prioritize the intimate sexual moments that come along in your day-to-day life, right? So then what I love was then at the end of this interview, right, we see that Sasha meets her past love, her ex-boyfriend or ex-fiance. It was ex-fiance, right? And I I couldn't help but think when I saw this, see Like, don't shut down a paradigm just because it hasn't worked for you yet or it hasn't worked for you before. 
So my question is, are you shutting it down? Like I'm saying this to Sasha and you guys, are you shutting it down to protect yourself, Sasha, or you, or to serve yourself? I often pick up from her and her character that it's a protective mechanism, right? Her desire to always like have fun and party and like do this and blah, 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 isn't a bad thing. Like we've all been there. I've been there, et cetera. But where is the desire coming from? Is the desire coming from a place of like, yeah, I actually just want to, I really do want to go have fun. Or is the desire coming from a place of unhappiness, trying to fill a hole, trying to numb something, trying to feel more, trying to feel more joy in, in her life. Then we obviously find out in like later in the episode that clearly Cam hurt her and pretty fucking badly. Well, we actually don't fi- really find out that he didn't actually, we actually find out he didn't really hurt her. She interpreted something from him and then she made the self-filling prophecy of men hurt, men do this, et cetera, et cetera, which is really interesting. And I love that that was brought into the show because I can't wait to dive into it with you guys. So basically what we start to see is that it seems like she was hurt and this persona of I'm an independent woman, marriage isn't for me, there's the new way, blah, blah, blah. It is a protective mechanism. Friends, I am quickly interrupting to let you guys know and remind you guys that my newest program, Her, is officially out and I am so excited about it. It is a 100% live program to help you lead like the woman you want to be. So Her is really about embodying your feminine in every moment so that you can truly feel like you can do it all. You are not alone in feeling like you are being pulled in a hundred different directions. If you feel like you are devaluing your role as a mother or a lover, or if you feel like you have to be someone else in order to be enough, then you need to join this program. The mental load that women are carrying these days is not only causing the obvious burnout, it's exhausting to them. It is making them feel uninspired, depressed, disengaged from their heart and feminine power, and ultimately, The hustle isn't even giving you the validation and happiness that you're actually trying to achieve. So Her is very different to my other programs. You can read all about it below. It is a four-week completely live program. It is not about healing and trauma work or anything. This is really about embodiment. It is requiring you to show up and take action steps so that you can actually rejig your life, realign your life, fix the execution so that you can confidently feel like you can be a mom, like you can do your business, like you can be a wife or a lover, like you can be the best friend that you can be. And it doesn't mean that you have to want to be a mom. It does not mean that you have to own your own business. That's not what this program is about. This program is for you if you feel like you want to be able to nail it in every area of your life and you feel like currently you're struggling, then her is for you. Okay, then we go to the scene of Francesca and... Cooper having the hot elevator sex, like fucking yes, vibes, yum. I was like, where the fuck is my fiance when I need him? <laughs> anyway, so I'm just drooling over this whilst he's flown for his boys weekend and I'm watching this show. I'm sorry, but getting fucked or even just getting kissed or touched in an elevator is the sexiest thing. Why are elevators so effing sexy? It's something about like the closed space, the fact that it's a public space and like any, like the doors could open at any time. It's this fantasy of like getting caught and being naughty and like, oh my God, it it was just so good, right? Love, love that scene. So I just had to put that in there that I fully support that scene. And I hope that we all paused, rewind, and replayed that scene for our own pleasure. Literally this show is soft porn and I am so effing obsessed with them. 
Okay. What was really interesting though, as we then started to continue to watch it after the sexy elevator scene that had us all sweating is what was interesting is that everyone loves this like new Billy and new Cooper vibe because Cooper's friend in the office says that. And I was just thinking, are they new or are they now their best selves and no longer in a relationship that's draining them? A hot healthy, sexy relationship makes you your best self, not your worst. And I'm not necessarily saying that Billy and Cooper were their worst selves when they were together. What I'm saying though, is that it's very clear that they were not fully in alignment. They were not fully allowing themselves to express their truest self. They were, they were settling. They were being happy. They were doing what's right by the books. And this is the thing. They seemed happy. They say they were happy but they were, they were just like happy. They were content. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with content, right? Sometimes I'm like, I just want to like be content for a month. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be on any adventures. I just want to breathe and be content for a month. Contentment that's conscious can be a really great space to be, be in. It's very soothing to the nervous system. But when we are being content and thinking that that's the goal to just be content, and maybe that is your goal, that's fine. But if that's from a conscious place, great. Billy and Cooper, it wasn't from a conscious place. It was from a place of this is what I have been conditioned to feel, believe, and think that I have to have in my life. I can't ask for more. That's greedy to ask for more. That's wrong to ask for more. And we kind of see through their parents and their upbringing a little bit more like, okay, this is making sense based on the family that they've grown up in, right? Cooper is this perfect man that has grown up in a what seems like perfect family that doesn't want to ruffle any feathers, et cetera. And so whilst he's a good man, he isn't with Billy pleasing her the way that she wants to be pleased. We end up seeing with Francesca that Cooper's got the sex in him. He's got the passion and the spice in him. My question though is, is it because, is it from this place of fuck Billy? And so now he's trying to like be a different version of himself that isn't actually himself or is it actually himself? But with Billy, they just weren't lighting each other on fire. And that doesn't mean that they didn't have a good relationship for what it was worth. And I'm saying this to you guys, for any of you that are relating to this whole situation, that doesn't mean that he's a bad guy or that she's a bad girl. It doesn't mean that they had a bad relationship. It doesn't mean any of those things. It's just like, it, it wasn't everything. It wasn't giving them everything they wanted. It wasn't making them feel electric and inspired and energetic every day. It was just very same old, same old black and white. And for some people, maybe that's great for them. It, for, actually for Cooper, it seemed fine, but we don't know that much about Cooper's history, but what, from what I sense and from most guys in that situation, it might've been fine for Cooper, but it might, he might've thought it was fine because of his conditioning. Right. Whereas Billy is a bit more of this rebel that's like, fuck the conditioning. Like, this is who I want to be and really accepting of that. Whereas I think Cooper still has a lot more of the conditioning than he realizes that's actually influencing what he thinks he wants and doesn't want in his life. Okay. So then we get to the scene where Sasha's grandma is trying to protect her from quote unquote guys like him, right? So it's this flashback scene where Cam has proposed all those years, years ago. And, um, and, Sasha is packing to move to California, right? And her grandma is trying to quote unquote protect her. Now, this is a great scene. And why I like it is that because it perfectly paints this picture that I've spoken about before and I speak more heavily about uh, in my book when it comes out. So please make sure that you're like on the wait, not on the wait list, but on the email list and staying in the loop, et cetera. 
what I talk about is how our mums and their mothers, so our grandmothers, they really had to be the one paving the way for us. And so what a lot of us have experienced as women that cause us to go into our hypermasculine is the story that has been passed down to us from women having to fight for their rights and freedom. Now, we as women have our rights and freedom in most first world countries, right? We are treated as equals. And if you get into the whole like, no, we actually, there's wage dip, like the gender pay gap, blah, blah, blah. I actually talk about that in my book because it's not just, it's actually not a thing. It's, it's was a thing and it's not a thing anymore, but marketing still likes to make it a thing. But if you actually research it and look into it, it's actually not a thing. So anyway, whatever, <sighs> that's a book thing. So what I'm trying to say though, is that the story, it's this story that's been passed down to us from women having to be in fight or flight all the time and having to fight for something that now we have. And so they are still playing out their story of the world isn't safe for women, of you got to protect yourself, of you got to be independent, of men are men aren't there to like treat you the same, like blah, blah, blah. Because those men back then, they were getting used to this whole new way of living, right? It wasn't the norm for them. And so those women, our, our mothers and grandmothers are really having to try and navigate that, but they still have that story in their head, of course. And so because they haven't healed that, they're passing it down to us, which is causing us to also then be in our hypermasculine if we're not fully aware of it, because they've had to be in their hypermasculine kind of from a place of protection, right? They've been fighting and being in that fight or flight, but we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to take on that role in, anymore. So now we really need to bring the pendulum back to a place of neutrality rather than keeping ourselves on this hamster wheel that's actually causing us to swing too far to the other extreme of things. So with Sasha, right, she's being driven, uh, like fed this story of she has to be independent of don't follow a man, of don't do something for a man, of like he's going to let you down, et cetera, et cetera, which is this extremist obviously view. And I'm not saying that it's wrong because women had to believe that to get us what we now have as women in 2020, what year are we in? Three. But now as the women in 2023 and the girls in 2023, we don't need to keep fighting for something that doesn't exist anymore. Because otherwise what's happening is that we are going to keep swinging the pendulum too far. We're going to keep having polarity issues in our relationships. Men are going to continue to be emasculated and then become these feminized men, which we aren't attracted to. And then women become more hyper-masculine. Instead, now it's our generation to like thank our parents, thank our mom, thank our grandmother, and bring the pendulum back to a place of neutrality where men and women can really be in harmony together, not subconsciously or consciously fighting against each other all the time. Okay, so now we're jumping back to Majid. He is the vibe, as we've already said so far, right? He is so soothing to my nervous system to watch and he gets my heart rate up because he appeals to the woman's desire to dream, right? He's planting seeds with Billy already on that date of the future. And he's making her nervous system feel, feel safe in that there's no pressure. There's no rush. Like I'm here. I'm not going like really providing that security. And then the dreamer, like, you know, I can't, like he plants some like futuristic things, right? That it creates this tension of what to come. So he is having this perfect blend of that safety that she needs and desires with that sexy polarity that she also wants, right? Remember that she is on this journey of trying to get the best of both worlds. So he is doing a fabulous job so far. So really, really liking him. We do also start to see though that Billy, 
is really feeling like she doesn't deserve to be happy, right? We see that scene where she's beating herself up about being with another man and she's constantly putting herself down and feeling like she does not deserve to do this because of what she broke up her marriage or whatever it is. And I think this is something that so many women, I know this is something that so many women go through. We diminish our need for happiness and we punish ourselves because of the way that we have been put down and put into boxes in the past. And it's really about creating this intricate blend of not going to this extremist level of fuck anybody that put me in a box um, or anything like that, but instead coming from this deep, intimate level from yourself of knowing that you are allowed to be happy, that you deserve to be happy, and that you don't need to go after that from a place of anger towards society and the fucking patriarchy or whatever or some crap, but instead Allow yourself to be deserving to have the happiness that you want from a place of love towards yourself. So Billy is not only on this journey of trying to work out, is this love even possible for me and what does my new life look like? But she's also now going on this journey of, do I even deserve this? And this is so relatable because, you know, in society, we are really told you can't have it all. You can't do it all. We, you know, the role of the mother is heavily diminished. The, the role that of the feminine just in a broader sense is diminished and women, you know, we put ourselves, we, we continue to put ourselves, this is really important in boxes because we think that we are going to get more validation and acceptance from that. But what we know and what you probably know is that even if you're putting yourself in a fucking box to get that validation or get that acceptance or to feel enough, you don't end up feeling enough. You still aren't, you still don't feel enough. You still don't feel validated. You still don't feel accepted. Why? Because being in a fucking box and meeting somebody else's standards isn't what's going to make you feel deserving or enough or safe or whatever. That all comes from within you. But we are, we are subliminally comparing ourselves to what we think that we should do, what we think is right to our conditioning and what we were kind of fed when we were younger. And it makes us constantly feel like we're failing. And I, and, and we see with Billy as we go into episode two that she does feel like she is failing in one sense or another. Do you know that 41% of women in the US are now the main breadwinners in the households? And even though we as women are making a hell of a lot more money and having way more choices than we ever used to, the double-edged sword is that as a feminine woman, we still want to be provided for, be protected, and for him to lead us. We still want that for men. And I can't count how many women come to me on a daily basis, either in emails, as clients, or in my DMs, feeling so frustrated by their partner's lack of ambition, success, leadership, etc. Additionally, 73% of couples say that finances are now the source of their tension in their relationship. People, I do not want money being the reason your relationship is falling apart. Yes, the studies say that it is a real fucking thing. So let's be proactive. Let's be proactive. You can still feel like he is providing and protecting you even if you make more money or if you make the same amount of money. It's about learning about this modern dynamic and how to make it work for your relationship. So whether you are making the same amount of money as him or whether you're making more money as him, you need to get into the feminine female breadwinner. It will help you 
in everything that you need and more. Seriously, friends though, I really want you to know that if I'm in a relationship where I make more money than my fiance and he leads and provides and is the best and most masculine man that I've ever been with, then you can have this too. Do not wait until your relationship is falling apart until you are edgy and you are anxious. Don't wait for that. Get ahead of it. Be proactive. Get in the feminine female breadwinner course and really take some actionable steps towards ensuring that money is not a source of tension in your relationship and to make sure where you are not in that 73% of couples that feel like finances causes so much tension in their relationship. Okay, so let's move on to episode two, friends. All right, the battle between the mother and the maiden is, it's a thing, right? And that's kind of painted throughout all of the sex life episodes, season one and season two, right? And what we see is that like she is trying to figure all this shit out. And her mom is not helping, right? Her mom is putting all of this pressure on her, being old school, being petty, being immature, like just being not what you need your mother to be when you're going through this at the beginning of the episode we see, right? Her mom isn't allowing her to be her best self. She's shaming her, putting her down, judging her, et cetera. Like, it's gross. It's not a vibe. It's unacceptable, right? She's gaslighting her. She's manipulating her. She's guilt tripping her. She's shaming her, all of those things. So she then leaves the house, right? To go just kind of like recalibrate herself. And what we then see is that she kind of ends that beginning with Majid. She phones him. And why that was, why I want to bring up that moment was like, what we saw was her mom got into her head and then she kind of said no to something that she really wanted. Like she's enjoying spending time with him. She's enjoying getting to know him. And she let her mom get into her head and then decline something that was making her happy. Like raise your hand if you have ever done this to yourself where somebody else has gotten into your head. You've let somebody else get into your head. You haven't had the strength to have those energetic boundaries and have the boundaries with yourself because of shit that you haven't fully healed in your body. So, you know, your mom is even, your mom is actually able to trigger you versus you being like, mom, fuck, like fucking shut up and her not having any lingering thoughts going through your head. Raise your hand if you've been in a situation where you don't want Billy's done, right? Someone's got into your head and then you have done something that you didn't want to do. You've not gone out on the date. You've canceled the opportunity. You have like whatever you've, you've gone and done the university course that you don't want to fucking do, but you're doing it because you're pleasing somebody else. Does it make you feel good? No. And the only reason why this was then flipped around was because of the best fucking scene where her mom says that, you know, okay. So they're jumping back a little bit. They're in the kitchen, right? Um, Sasha's come home from Connecticut, etc. Olga's there, the nanny, the kids are there and um, she's in the kitchen and her mom starts shaming her. So when her mom says that you know, your sexual appetite has been a problem since you were a teenager, I mean, what a fucking shit mom to say that. And then her response was the best fucking thing I have ever heard on a television show. And she essentially says that her sexual appetite and desire was never the issue in her marriage. It was a lack of honesty. And that dishonesty was caused because of shame that was induced by her as in her mother. And I, I paused this and I rewound and I played it again. I put it on my Instagram story and I was like screaming because I was like, this 
is the shit. I mean, what a fucking line in the show. And why I love it is because so many women and young women are going to be watching this TV show and realizing that their desire for sex and hot sex and passionate love is never the issue. And it's never has been an issue and never will be an issue. We do not need to live by this rule book of settling in a boring marriage and fitting into this box of looking good enough and like you've been successful and not a failure and like la la la. It's not about that, right? It is about allowing ourselves as women to accept what is going to fill our heart and saying no to anybody else that is projecting their own shit, their own stories, their own limiting beliefs onto us. Their truth is not our truth, right? That Guys, wait. We need to pause for this. My fucking fly has been open the whole time. If you're watching the video, maybe you've noticed that the whole time and it's like rammed, like you just want to like ram your head into the wall. I'm sorry if that's the case, but you couldn't say anything. But also I just like put my hand down. And I'm like, what is going on? Right. And where was I? So we're allowed, we, we need to allow ourselves to live by our truth, not somebody else's truth. We need to recognize that we can have it all and that settling isn't going to make us happier. Even if it makes our mother happier, it's not going to make us happier because who the fuck cares if your mother is happy, but if you aren't, right? Who the fuck cares if your mother is happy, if you are not doing what you want to be doing? If you are living your life in a way to make your mom or somebody else happy, And so that they accept you. If that is not a clear sign of people pleasing or a fawn response, which is a a trauma response of like the need to people please so that you feel safe, I don't know what is. What happens is, is that if you are living your life to please somebody else, this is a people pleasing and a fawn, a fawn, F-A-W-N, trauma response or or a tendency, a habit to kind of fall into. And you do this because in your upbringing, you felt like essentially in one way, shape or form, there's many ways it can show up. So just take as a, you know, great assault. Essentially, you felt like if you were your real authentic self, if you you expressed yourself, if you showed up the way that you actually wanted to, it wasn't going to be accepted. You were going to be rejected. You were going to be blamed. You were going to be yelled at something or other. So you shape shift. Women do this a lot. You shape shift in order to be loved and accepted by your mom or whoever, and you're still doing this through your adulthood. Women can do this in relationships. We shape shift in order to please him, in order to make him happy, in order to be accepted, in order to be loved, in order to get whatever need you have to get. But when you're constantly shape shifting, you lose your sense of self because you're always being somebody else. You're never being your true authentic self. And when you are shape shifting at the same time as you're doing that, you're subliminally saying to yourself, the core of me, the truth of me, my most authentic self is not right. It's not okay. It's not loved. It's not accepted. It's not enough, whatever it is. The scene where then they, her mom and and Sasha, so not Sasha, sorry, uh, Billy and her mom have this scene then because she goes to pick up her son. She phones Majid, et cetera. She then comes back home and they have this conversation on the sofa. That was just such a beautiful scene. It was so healing for her mom to express that like, and be really vulnerable that she's doing this because she was called a slut when she was younger and that stuck with her and that she doesn't want that to happen to her daughter, Billy. And why I like this scene is that it makes it so clear to the viewer that your trauma is always passed down from your parents or whoever raised you. And you're just trying to protect yourself. Your parents are trying to protect you. 
Most things are done out of love, even if the execution is questionable. So we love grandma now. Plot twist. We love grandma for giving Billy permission to find herself, to go back to the city, to go out on the date so that she can be her happiest self and therefore be the best mom for her kids. Because as Billy says, I just want to be happy for my kids. I want my kids to see me happy. And divorce is one of those things where it's a win-win, lose-lose, right? Like no matter what happens, there's going to be a little bit of a shitty outcome, but you have to weigh up what's more important. And what I've seen from clients who are children of divorced parents is I've seen clients that have had trauma from the divorce of, I wish my parents didn't break up, right? Or I internalize it as my own problem, et cetera, et cetera. I've also had other clients that are like, I'm so glad my parents got divorced because my mom was so much happier after the divorce. Like it was shitty going back and forth and maybe it fucked their nervous system a little bit, but they actually got to see their mom happy. And so that they, they then internalize the story of happiness is important. And I've had other clients and plenty of them where they have said, I wish my parents got divorced because I always knew that they were staying together for us and that they didn't love each other. And so it gave me a really fucked up story that I have to stay even if I'm not loving the situation, even if I don't love the person anymore, even if I'm not getting my needs met, I have to stay because I've made some commitment to somebody. And I go, and I want to say to you guys on that note, yeah, you have made a commitment to somebody, but what about the commitment towards yourself? What about the commitment that you should make towards yourself every day of being happy, of being, you know, of feeling loved, of having your needs met? That commitment is just as important, if not more, than the commitment that you've made to somebody else. Because if you have made a commitment to somebody else of being with them for the rest of your life or being their girlfriend or being their fiance, whatever it is, I hope that you also have made a commitment to yourself in some way, shape or form of like the kind of life that you want to have, the love that you want to have, the priorities, the values, et cetera. And so when you are committed to your best self, that shows in the relationship. The relationship therefore is also going to be committed to always being its best self right? When you're not committed to you, often the relationship can also go down the drain. It's like mirroring the two things, if that makes sense. Let's now jump to that scene in episode two, where Sasha goes back into her ex's office. So this was the really interesting scene of like the whole mountain thing that I mentioned of like, you're alone on the mountain at the beginning of today's episode. It's so interesting that I see, it's so interesting, sorry, that we see her here again, right? Sasha thinks that she has to choose between her career and him versus doing both. So the whole scene, the way that it's pictured is just epic that we're seeing this. And this is, this scene is helping us to realize that Sasha needs to allow herself to have love in her life in a way that will only excel her career. She very much is in the mindset of it's this or that, but what if this love in her life can mean that her career is better? that she could enjoy her success more, that she could do it with more ease because she has that grounding masculine support in her life. And obviously we don't know whether he's a good guy like Cam or you know whether he's masculine or whether he's grounding to our nervous system, et cetera. We don't know him well enough, but we do start to see more of, of him and we do start to see more of her masculine armor around 
this story that's put around that she's put around herself of I have to be by myself in order to be successful. She has a story of being with a man that's going to hold me back. I have to be alone in order to be successful. And like, raise your hand as a woman if you have this story of in order for me to be successful, I have to be alone. So many women have that story. I used to have that story. And it's like, we are always co-creating within our relationships. I know I said this before to you guys, but we are always co-creating within our relationships. If you, like me, want to have the dream career and the dream relationship and the dream family and all the things, you can have that. It's about co-creating within your life every day to make those things happen. It's about every day creating the relationship of your dreams, creating the health of your dreams, creating the career of your dreams. Every day I'm thinking about how can I be better? How And it's not this, um, this like heavy draining, like, oh my God, I'm making a fuck. I don't have like some ridiculous practice every day of how can I be a better version of myself? It's, it's just this subconscious but conscious thought in my head always. I just desire to always be a better version of myself. I desire to always co-create in a better way and choose love in every moment that I can. And for so many of us, it takes us hitting those rock bottom moments or it takes us hitting uh, like losing somebody or having a health crisis to actually stop and realize I need to change something. Let's all just pause right now in this episode. What is some area of your life that you are not 100% happy in? Maybe it's the way that you're showing up in it. Maybe it's draining you. Maybe it's too exhausting. Maybe it's not how you want it to be. Maybe whatever it is. What area of your life right now is not how you want it to be? Maybe you feel like you're working too hard. You're not getting enough sleep, not enough sex, whatever. Just take a moment. So now that you thought about that, I want you to make a commitment to yourself to fucking change something. And that doesn't mean that you have to have the solution right now. That can mean joining my new program, Her. That could be reading a fucking book that you've been meaning to read forever, but you've been self-sabotaging it. That could mean finally going going to get a stool sample done to check your gut health, whatever it is. But can you actually take an action step that is going to allow you to co-create the kind of life that you want to have rather than just complaining and telling, complaining about all the time and telling yourself what you want, but then never actually taking any action on it. Right? So when she says in this scene that he Cam, made her give up on her dreams, he says something fantastic. This is a great scene because it showed the difference between the way a man perceives something in a woman. He then says, that's not what I was asking you when we moved, when we, when I asked you to move to California. So in case you forgot, right? He asked her to move to California with her. That's a fucking sexy masculine thing to do. Like when I was planning on, when I was deciding between leaving New York and moving to Atlanta or like whatever we were going to do, like we talked about it and he never wanted me to feel any pressure. My fiance, like my boyfriend at the time, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, but you know what actually made me say like, yes, let's fucking do it. And you know what made me actually get excited for it is when we were on a chairlift, us in fucking ski lifts, Jesus Christ. When we were on a ski lift and he turned to me, I remember, I remember like the scenery and everything, right? Like, oh, so good. And he says, baby, will you move to Atlanta? I need you to move to Atlanta. Like I need you to live with me. I need to live with you. And I was like, yes. It was like music to my ears because I wanted to be asked that question. 
I didn't want to have to make the decision. I didn't want to, I wanted to be asked that because it was sexy. It was, it was, he wants me that badly that he's asking me to do this. Like he wants that for me. And I know for some women it's like, or he's asking you that to like, you know, please his own story, not fact, whatever. We have four dogs living in New York city wasn't even possible. And I have a, I had a huge apartment for New York city standards. Um, but it was a fuck. It was like a, it was also a small apartment, right? When, whenever he would come over and stay, after a week, I'd be like, "Get the fuck out!" Because my wardrobe was barely big enough for me, let alone somebody else. And I've got one office space. Like it was just, I we could have done it, but it would have just not been as easy and joyful and calm as living here with a massive backyard, right? And we are four dogs. Like I'm sorry, four dogs in an apartment, two dogs, a huge in New York City, like no fucking thank you. (laughs) There would have been no space for us because it just would have been pure dogs all around us. Like there would not have been any space for the dog. You would not have been able to see the floor. Let's just say that because the boys had their little bed tucked under this like console that I had. So their bed was always like tucked away a little bit. The girl's bed is about five times the size because they're big. And so that would have taken up that whole space that I'm thinking of, like at the end of my dining table. And so you literally would have had to step on the bed to then get like to walk past the dining table to then get to the sofa. No, thank you. So anyway, why I like this scene is because he actually puts kind of puts his foot down and says that that's not what he asked her. He was not saying that she had to give up on her dreams. She was the one that decided that. And Why this is great is because so many of us often do this to ourselves. We think that if I'm moving here or changing this, then I have to give up on something. No. And so really what this, this was like eye-opening, I'm hoping for Sasha, we'll see, because I'm hoping that it made her realize like I did this to myself. I made up the story that I had to give up on my dreams. I made up the story that I had to choose this or this rather than this and this. Most women don't think in their head now, oh, I can move to California and continue on my dreams. I want you guys to think about how can I let my career fly and explode and have the relationship of my dreams? We need to stop thinking about it's this or this. Instead, instead start saying I can have this and that. Then... And I was like screaming. Cam says, oh, like, sorry, to Cam, like, oh my God. I was like, oh my God. Cam says, why not try for it all? And he says, because when you climb that mountain and, have, you know, this whole bit, when you climb that mountain and you have no one to turn to talk to about the view, it makes you realize that climbing alone is not worth it if you cannot also welcome love into your life. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't climb a mountain alone. This doesn't mean settle in a bad relationship. That's not what I'm saying. It means that if you are rejecting love for the sake of success, you have got it all wrong. It doesn't mean that it's the easiest thing to be managing two things. It does not mean that it's the easiest thing to split your energy and your focus and your time amongst two things, but it is possible. And what's more important is that it makes it more joyful. It makes life happier. And when you get to that goal, you have someone to share it with. I guarantee you that there is no, I could never tell you anybody that has said to me, I'm glad that I let that relationship go because when I got to that goal, I was so glad that I had no one to share it with. No, The story that you only ever hear is I wish that I didn't reject him or push him away because when I reached that goal, the only person that I wanted to phone was him and I couldn't. 
right? Or her. And I couldn't. It is so nice being able to share your wins and your failures and your triumphs and your vulnerabilities with somebody else. Why? Because we are not made to do it alone. This whole alone thing is a new thing. This raising a child alone, being a mother alone. No, we need a village. It takes a village to raise a child. Like, do you know, ladies, that back in the day when we did raise children with a whole village is that you wouldn't be the only one breastfeeding your child. All the other mothers in the village would also breastfeed. Why this is such a beautiful thing to think about is like, whoa, it never was the expectation that my body, my mind, my soul, my heart had to do it all. I was so supported. You were in rest period after giving birth, but now you're a fucking machine. No wonder every second woman has postpartum depression, not only because of major nutrient deficiencies and hormonal issues, but because the amount of monumental pressure we put on ourselves and the lack of validation that we give mothers and the, you know, we've taken this importance off motherhood. It's like it's not as important anymore. It's not valued. We've devalued the role of a mother in our society. But God, the role of a mother is everything and the role of a father. It's like we now value fucking C-suite level executives over we value mothers and teachers and healthcare providers and healers and the people that help. The people that help are people that in my opinion, are irreplaceable and you cannot put a dollar amount on them. Like doulas, like people that, you know, midwives, your friends that come and support you. I mean, you can't put a price tag on that shit when you are going through one of the most, uh, when you're going through a huge human experience, whether that's motherhood or whether it's a huge change in your life, like moving across the country, you need your village to turn to because feeling alone is not a good feeling, right? So as I said in episode one, the new Connor is definitely a new Connor, right? And we saw this by him being so commanding when they fired Francesca, um, when they found out they had sex in like the conference room or whatever, like that was a hot scene and then it turned not hot, obviously. She loved it. We saw that. She fucking loved it. She was so turned on by it. She was so just like, get here now, like ravishing him because of it. Because what feminine want women want is that, right? That's what feminine women want. Feminine women want to feel like we don't have to be the one to yell at the fucking boss or yell at the annoying person or make a fucking scene. We want to feel like a man will be like, absolutely not. I am protecting you. What I love about her character is that she's a boss, right? But in her feminine, from what we see anyway. And then it changes a little bit. Hold on. I'll get to there in a second. She's graceful. She holds herself, etc. She probably could have, uh, you know, caused a little bit more of a fuss about being fired. But I also love that she didn't pull the sexism card as this like manipulating tactic and unhealthy feminism that sometimes women can do. But what we do love is that Cooper did that. Like, God, it was so fucking hot when he just stormed in there and was like, this is sexism right fucking here. If you're going to fire her, you have to fire me. Like we're going to quit, etc." He was sacrificing himself 
for her. He was full on protecting her. A passive man would have said sorry to her when, you know, she told him that she was getting fired. And when, and then when she said, no, 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 I don't want to make a fuss. A passive man would have been like, oh, okay, well, like, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Like fucking Albie in White Lotus would have done that, which is just vomit. It's, ew, it's disgusting. It just makes my pussy shrivel if a man was to do that. I would just be so turned off. Like I wouldn't even want a woman to do that. It's just like, it's this tiptoeing around because of this victim society that we live in. Our society is so sensitive that we all just tiptoe around because we're so afraid to ruffle some fucking feathers. Well, I'm sorry. If you are a tiptoer, like I couldn't be friends with you, number one, but number two, people aren't going to feel safe around you. People feel safe around people that don't take a stand for the bullshit. People feel safe around people when they know that this person, whether it's a friend or more, would protect me and have my back. Passive people don't make you feel safe. They stress your nervous system out because it's like, what's going to happen next? Am I going to say the wrong thing? Do I need to be quiet all the time because I'm going to ruffle their feathers and then blah, 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 right? So instead, he fucking made a fuss, which we loved, and sacrificed himself for her and his job for her fucking screaming, right? And then though, what I do want to say, obviously, is that when they're back in, so when Sasha, sorry, not Sasha, when uh, Francesca and Cooper are back in Francesca's apartment, right? Cooper's like reflecting on life as we saw, looking out the window, the New York view vibes. And Francesca just comes kind of running in, really excited, very feminine, very, uh, she's overexcited, right? That, that, That feminine urge to just like, blow everything out the window and go to Italy for no apparent reason. <laughs> That's me every week. Um. Anyway, and she goes, marry me. And I'm like, oh, cringe. And also like wrong move. Now what we can kind of tell is uh, she doesn't seem to do it from a masculine. It, it was a little bit pushy, but it's it's coming from love and excitement, which is the feminine urge, right? It's coming from a place of love and excitement. But what we see is that her, her, and maybe it's the work environment. Maybe it's from being in her masculine at work, etc. We don't know yet, at least. But you know, a woman that is in tune with a man, and also just aware of what Cooper's gone through, and has that sensitivity and empathy, would also know that there was no way in hell that Cooper is ready to say, yes, I'm going to marry you. And also a feminine woman never wants to be the one to propose. Sorry, but no, like maybe it's all like feminism vibes. Not for me. Absolutely not. I am not getting down on one knee and I am not, I would never, ever, I, you know, what's funny. My fiance and I once talked about this and I can't remember how it came up. And he's like, would you ever do that? I was like, God, no. He's like, good. Cause I would be so mad if you ever took that away from me. And I was like, that's so interesting. Like he said, took that away. I remember he said, took that away from me. And we talked about it. It is a privilege for a man. It is something that they look forward to, to be able to ask a woman to marry them. And when she says yes, it is like this other feeling that they get through their body because she is committing and giving herself to him. A man doesn't want to give himself to her by him saying yes. They want it the other way around. He wants to ask and then receive her, right? She wants to be able to be received, 
by him. So that was just interesting. I was like, okay, not the vibe. We'll move on with that one, right? So back at the restaurant, Billy's on this date with this Majid guy, Majid, sorry, pronunciation, Majid guy. And I know you guys are probably going to ask like, okay, so she's being like kind of keen for him. Is she being in her masculine? Like all of a sudden now she's showing up for the date, even though she said no, like she's being really, really forward. This is interesting. And here's the key. He's making it beyond clear, like separate to Cooper. Like Cooper's making it clear sexually, but we haven't seen, and maybe this is obviously not happening if it was in real life. We haven't seen, at least on the screen, that Cooper is wanting to commit to her. We see beyond, like it's very, very, it's very, very clear. Majid make it, makes it very clear that he wants her. He wants to commit to her. He's pursuing her. Maybe not commit yet, but he is pursuing with the intention of committing, right? And he pushes back when she says, for example, I can't, not in this overly dominating, arrogant, like unhealthy way, but in a, in a healthy masculine way of I'm not going anywhere. Like you can feel safe around me. You can push me and I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm leaving now, blah, blah, blah. Because no woman wants to ever feel like she could do the, like say one wrong thing or push back and him break up and leave the relationship. It does not bring a sense of safety to our nervous system. So he pushes back when she's like, I can't on the phone, et cetera, et cetera. So he is 100% leading, executing, cherishing, wanting, claiming, blah, blah, blah. And because she keeps denying him, she kind of has to be the one to go to the restaurant and be like, okay, I'm sorry. I want to do this, et cetera. Then you can see that once she's at the restaurant and again, she doesn't like walk up to him and it's like, okay, I'm here. She's sitting at the table. She's being flirty, building the tension, which I love. Like she's being in her feminine with the execution of she's dressed beautifully. She's sitting at the table and she's been cheeky of like, there's a problem with the hummus. And so then the waiter goes and gets him and the waiter says to him, table three wants to speak to the owner, something about like the hummus not being okay. And then she's sitting there all beautifully waiting to be received by him and waiting to receive him. The way that she sits there is just this like cute little, I'm innocent. And it's so sexy and beautiful. And he walks up to her. He goes and gets her. So, so it's, so like, she's kind of like putting herself there, but he's making that choice. He's then saying, I've got a better bottle of wine. He's then spending the rest of the night and inviting her home. She's not doing that. She's just kind of putting, she's putting herself in his field of vision because he's made it so clear that he wants that. She's just matching his vibe and being very receptive when they're together. So if you're like, whoa, okay, mind blown with this Monica, I need more. Embodiment of dating, the masterclass and embodiment of dating number two, they're your dating things. If you need to create more like polarity and understand men though, and heal your relationship with men so you actually can feel safe to let a man lead, that's be a lover, not a mother. Any questions on that, just send an email, support at monarchyateshealth.com and then Olivia will direct you into the right places. She knows it all. Friends, if you have not gotten your Australia ticket now, it is crunch time. We have a very limited amount of time remaining for you to get your tickets to this incredible, revolutionary, and unique event that we are having in May. There is no other immersion out there like this. Trust me when I say that. If you have not watched the testimonial video, if you have not watched the promo video, what are you doing? 
Like do not self-sabotage this. Do not not even allow yourself the opportunity to really look at the website page, look at all the testimonials, look at the promo page and make an informed decision. And even if that decision is no, great. But it feels so good when you have fully given yourself the space and the time to dig into something that you may be thinking about so that you can make a really informed yes or no, not just making a yes or no based on fears, your ego, what you think, the quote unquote time constraints that we tell ourselves all the time. If you are prioritizing being your best self this year, then I also hope that you prioritize looking into the immersion and seeing if it is a fit for you. If you have any questions about it, feel free to email, of course. And do not forget that the tickets will be completely finished for selling at the end of April. So then we're moving back to a scene that I want to go into next, which is when Sasha and Cam are together and they get home maybe. Oh yeah, they're walking home. He walks her home, right? And he makes a really good point of essentially saying that because they both want to change the world, they both want to be ambitious, they both want to help people, they both want to do all these things. Why can't they do it together and double the manpower basically, put more energy behind it, right? And this is basically saying and sharing the importance of having the same value and goal in life. So if you have a high level of ambition and you want to change the world, for example, it's like the only way someone else is going to drag you down, not make that possible. So you then feel like I have to be alone and create that story is if they, if you're in a relationship with someone that doesn't want that. And then of course you're feeling dragged down as a result. But if you are with someone that is matching your energy, if you're with someone that is matching your goals and your ambitions and your desires for life and your priorities and your values, being in the energy together is actually only going to amplify things. You're only going to be able to create more of an impact in the world. You're only going to have more love. You're only going to have more momentum and speed through life faster and achieve more because like Cam said, there's double the manpower. So think about that in terms of anybody that is feeling like I will only be successful or I am more successful when I'm alone. Maybe it's just been because you haven't been with the right person that's been matching your energy. So I've only been able to be, I've only become more successful in my opinion anyway, since being in my relationship. I was successful beforehand, obviously. And there was definitely the beginning, like a balancing act in terms of like not between him and work, but in terms of finding this new way of doing both in a very committed relationship where we travel a lot, where we are like infatuated and obsessed and so in love where we want to spend all day together and just do nothing and just make out and have sex and lay in bed. There had to be a new balance that was found. And obviously I had to find that pretty quickly and I did. And so what that meant is that our desire for ambition both of us have that desire and growth has meant that it's helped me only grow more and feel more at ease with this growth because I have that masculine safety and grounded energy and whatnot in my life where I now feel even safer having more success because I'm not going to burn out. I'm not going to get overwhelmed. I'm not going to have logistical nightmares because I have him to help me through all of that. I have him to be that grounding force. I have him to help with logistics of things. I have him to travel with me to take that extra load off my plate, which is such a blessing. And I'm so grateful to have that because doing this all alone would actually be harder. It would be more exhausting. There is like, there is so much beauty in having that person by your side, as long as they are helping to 
amplify you as long as you are helping each other to grow and you are pushing each other to grow, which can feel hard sometimes, of course, because it's like there's two people with a lot of ambition, but you have to think about it like you're working together as a team and that by working together, you're actually going to grow faster, right? So the last thing that I want to say is that I love, loved the way Majid approached sex with Billy. The whole scene was a fuck yes from me. Also, can I just say to the producers, thank you so much for showing a woman that clearly has had kids that looks fucking banging, obviously, but doesn't have these perfectly tight boobs and bum and perfectly tight skin around her stomach after giving birth. I know some people will, of course, put their own projections of she's too skinny. They should have gotten a curvier woman. Like, well, Monica, you're saying that, but like, we're still not seeing real women's bodies. Like, whatever. Stop judging women for their bodies full stop, whether they're thin or whether they're not thin. It doesn't matter. All I want to say is that we are seeing a very natural looking woman. I'm not sure how old the actress is, but I just want to also say, say thank you for the actress for being bold enough and confident enough and brave enough and courageous enough to let yourself be fully seen on camera because unless it's like makeup, I don't know, you can tell by the skin on her stomach that, and she still has like popping abs, but whatever you get, if you've seen it, you understand what I'm saying. I don't need to overexplain this. You can tell by the skin on her stomach that she has had kids. You can tell by her boobs that she's not 20 with perky with the perkiest boobs and she's probably breastfed. And I want to say thank you because we're not then only seeing these perfect bodies of these mums that have like had kids, but look fucking banging. And that's possible too. And if that's you, I'm also not shaming that either. Like there's no shame at all. All I just wanted to say was thank you. I feel like this show is just so real and it just relates to us on so many different levels. Um, and so if you haven't watched it, I really do highly encourage you to watch it, especially with listening to these podcast breakdowns, because I think it's only going to help you have even more learning from the show and even more like, wow, like light bulb moments for yourself. Okay. So she's fucking beautiful and all the characters are beautiful and they seem to, and especially Billy and her body and just her and her character, it's fucking real. It is real and it feels that way. And I love it. And I love that Majid is so attracted to her realness and just to her like inability to keep her mouth shut on these first few dates. We love that. And he represents that guy that we all want and we can have of she's fully expressing herself in all of her rawness and all of her authenticity and all of her vulnerability. And he just keeps saying thank you. He is saying, thank you, thank you, thank you for being this raw, for being this authentic. And we don't know, maybe he'll end up being crazy in the end, hopefully not. But I want to say from my own experience that that kind of man, I mean, I have it, it's possible. In the beginning of dating my fiance, I was so fucking blunt. I was so upfront. I was so real. I was so honest. I cried a lot. Like I, I just was, I just let myself be myself because why would I do anything else? Not going to help me find my dream love. And it allowed me to co-create that dream relationship from the very beginning. We set ourselves up from the beginning because we were authentic with each other and real with each other from the beginning. And we shared our desires and our values and goals and what we wanted in our dream relationship from the beginning, which I think is really, really important. 
And then the last thing to just wrap up this episode to finish on a sexy note is obviously we see Brad still fantasizing about Billy. He's still clearly in love with Billy. But anyway, leaving that to the side, what I love that we started to see in Brad is this truly masculine man. He's a dad now. He's committed to that. And he is committed to being a protector and a provider for Gigi and for his son-to-be. And it's like he is so in that healthy masculine of I have a job to do that he kind of puts his happiness on the back burner. Not saying that's necessarily a good thing because it's probably going to bottle up anyway in some way, shape, or form. But what I just – it was just beautiful to see that he's not going to leave this pregnant woman for Billy. And I know we kind of want him to, but there's a part of me that doesn't because I'm glad that we're seeing on screen, like fingers crossed this days, that he is committing to Gigi and to his child because that is what a good man does. And we are seeing this really healthy, but still dominant and sexy and hot and passionate man that wants to ensure that the mother of his children or child and this woman feels protected and provided for. He feels a responsibility as a man to do that. And I'm like, yes, this is true masculinity. Albie from White Lotus is not true masculinity. So I'm going to leave the episode there. I cannot wait for our next part of Sex Life. I hope that you guys are enjoying it so far. Please make sure that you like, subscribe, do all the things and share the episode on your podcast so that you can have your friends also listening to this because there is so much learning in these episodes. And I really, really want people to listen to these podcast breakdowns so that they can get more out of the episode and re- episodes and really be thinking for themselves so that they're only not what they're only they're not only watching this sexy soft porn and getting enjoyment out of that they're also getting some intellectual growth from such an amazing series so far. So I'm going to leave it there. Do not forget that um, the programs that are open right now are down below in the description box. Make sure you follow me on Instagram. Make sure you're on my email list and you're reading the latest blog posts as well. We've been putting a lot of effort into getting blogs up for you guys because reading long shit on Instagram, I've realized is just not the vibe anymore, which is completely fine. I kind of love the blogs. It's a really sexy vibe. I'm like, Vogue, here we come. Um, So yeah, anything that you guys need, just send an email to support at monarchyitshealth.com and Olivia will reply to you as soon as she can. Otherwise, thank you all for listening and I will see you on the next episode.